friends, and welcome back to another episode of Faith in UU, the podcast for everyone. My name is Reverend McKinley Sims. I serve at the UU Church of the Restoration in Philadelphia, and I'm uploading the audio from my most recent sermon on March 10th called We're on Our Way. I hope you enjoy. We bought a house last year, the end of last year, and that was exciting. But for those of you who have been through that process, it tells you something about yourself when you have to move everything you own and you think it is a lot, but you find out it is either one of two things. It is either a whole, whole lot or it's not near as much as it could be if you buy a house. (laughs) So we have in our basement something called the room of requirement. Because uh, that is a a reference to the Harry Potter novels, a room where everything that has ever been lost ends up in this just mass of clutter and boxes and I don't want to call it junk because that would be disrespectful, but it's junk. (laughs) And I think we in America and Western society, we have... This association with stuff, you might call it a, an addiction to stuff. So in reaction to that, there have been a wave of cultural phenomena that are all about trying to separate us from our stuff. Like the minimalist movements, um, purging movements, trying to get rid of your stuff. If you have Netflix, you've heard of a show called Tidying Up with Marie Kondo. Marie Kondo is a woman from Japan who her mission is to save the world through the Japanese art of tidying. I am dead serious. And it is incredible. She is this lovely woman who has come up with a set of rules and a process. She has a television show where she goes and she finds couples usually who are in the midst of clutter and they feel like their lives are disorganized and maybe their relationships are fracturing And she comes in and helps them clean their house, is really what it is. But it's not just cleaning the house, it's not just getting rid of things. There's actually an art and a process and a spirit to it. And I had not watched because I was worried that I would be like some of my colleagues who were just shucking stuff and getting rid of stuff and were all aboard the hashtag ConMarie method. And uh, I would be fine with that, but I don't know that KP would be fine with that if I were just to get rid of a lot of our stuff in the middle of the night. (laughs) But keep your eye out. So this idea of tidying up, I've been thinking a lot about everything that goes on in our world and, and all the clutter in our lives. That it's not just physical stuff. Right? For me, there's a lot of emotional clutter and spiritual clutter. Turning on the news every day, checking social media, there's just a lot of junk everywhere. And it feels disorganized and it feels kind of chaotic. And I can think of some times where I've been in public places uh, or in worship services and things have gone a little bit off the rails. And my thought is, okay, who's in charge here? What's going on? This chaos, this organization is producing anxiety in me and tension in me. And so this idea of tidying up, 
not just our houses, but our spirits and our lives, got me thinking. What would it look like for us to tidy up our congregation? For us to tidy up our own spiritual selves? For us to tidy up Unitarian Universalism? Right? So if, you, if you're in the know with the UUs, there was um, some controversy this week with an article that came out in the UU World, the magazine, the national magazine that's for our denomination. And it related to transgender folks and their stories and their being a part of our denomination. And we claim to be a welcoming congregation. We've proclaimed that. We've gone through the process. But this article was written from the perspective of a straight white woman and her encounter with people who are transgender. And it was well-intentioned and it wasn't meant to be rude or disrespectful. But it came off and it's clear that it's a centering of this one perspective, this older, white, straight, cisgender perspective. And that it made anyone else the other. And folks pointed out that that's not going to be good when it comes out and it happened anyways. So it's not a great look for us, but I hope it's a learning process. So I have some, some materials. If there are folks who want to process that afterwards, I would be happy to talk with you. But it's something for us to think about as a congregation of whose voice do we center, says the straight white man, and whose voice do we other? And how do we shape our congregation? How do we declutter some of that stuff? How do we tidy it up as we go forward? So I was watching Marie Kondo and I was thinking about these things. And the big question that Marie talks about when you're looking at all your stuff is, does this spark joy? Does it spark joy in you? And the Japanese word, I don't speak Japanese, but I believe the Japanese pronunciation is tokimeki. Does it spark joy? And most Western audiences read this, and it's kind of fun because she's, you know, she's good on camera, and she's cleaning these things. She says, does it spark joy? Does this spark joy? If it doesn't, get rid of it. But sometimes what we miss is that this comes from traditional Japanese religious practice. This idea of does this item, this building, this space, does it spark joy in you? And the idea of sparking joy comes from the idea that everything in our world has a spirit to it, right? This is Shintoism. So when she's talking about getting rid of clothes that don't spark joy, if you have a shirt that doesn't spark joy, you're to get rid of it. But before you get rid of it, you're to thank it for its service. And when I first watched that, I was like, oh, that's so cute. But then I thought more about it. We have this relationship with stuff, but we don't really have a relationship with that stuff, right? What would it look like to have deeper relationships with fewer things in the spirit of decluttering? And one of the things that she does is when she goes to a new space, she introduces herself to the house, to the apartment building. And she takes a second to center herself, to breathe, and to be with the spirit, right? So there's like a religious element to this. We talk about walking on holy ground, Right, from the Judeo-Christian perspective. She takes this really seriously. So I wonder what it would be like for us to have a relationship with this space, with one another, to be grateful 
for the service of this sanctuary, of this campus. I've never introduced myself to his face before, but I do remember when I was in college and I lived in an old part of William and Mary's campus, and the rumor was that one of the buildings was haunted. Hunt Hall, supposedly haunted by the ghost of an old woman, Althea Hunt, lovely woman. I didn't know where I stood on ghosts, but I heard a story similar to this Marie Kondo situation. When uh, workers were building the building, stuff was going wrong, stuff was going missing, they were having a real hard time keeping up with their schedule. And they said, okay, here's what we're going to do. Whenever we go into the building, we're going to say good morning. Whenever we leave, we're going to say good night. And we're going to treat it with respect, and whatever's in there, we're going to treat them with respect. And according to the legend, things got a lot better after that. So when I would walk into Hutt's Hall every morning, I would say, good morning, Miss Althea. And when I left every night, I would say, good night, Miss Althea. I don't know if it made any difference, but it changed the way that I thought about our relationship to space and our relationship to stuff. So we're talking about stewardship today with the pledge kickoff afterwards. And we're talking about membership what it means to be a part of a community, what it means to be in relationship. And as I was watching Marie Kondo's show, she comes up with six rules for decluttering your house that I think we can also apply to decluttering and tidying our congregation. That it's not just about the amount of stuff. It's not just about the amount of money in your pledge or the amount of hours that you're donating to being a worship associate or being on the board or any of these things. But it's about the kind of relationship you have. So in UU spaces, we talk about covenants. This idea that's a sacred relationship, right? Modeled after the idea that there's a relationship between God and people, and thus we're to have a relationship between us. A holy and sacred bond. So when we do our welcoming, we say, you are welcome here. Your needs just as much as your gifts. So as we talk about stewardship and membership, know that we're talking about money, but it's not just about money. Right? If you don't have hundreds of thousands of dollars to give, that's fine. But there are other ways to give, to be part of this relationship. There are other ways that we can express gratitude to one another, gratitude to our stuff, to our building, which the pledge drive is held to maintain. So I hope you'll join me for the next 10 minutes here as we talk about some tidying up. Because after 200 years, it might be time to do a little tidying. <laughs> so Marie Kondo's method, the Marie method, six rules, the process. We've talked about trust the process. Here's the process that she goes through. Number one, commit yourself to tidying up. Number two, imagine your ideal lifestyle. Number three, finish discarding first. Number four, Tidy by category, not location. Number five, follow the right order. Number six, most importantly, ask yourself, does it spark joy? Tokimeki. Commit yourself to tidying up. She goes through these process in the first step. You gotta admit there's a problem. There's a lot of clutter. And you gotta commit to it. For us in congregational life, to be a member, right? Even to be a, a friend, as we call it, to be a part of this life is a commitment. 
Right? I take membership, I take being a part of a religious community very seriously because of that idea of covenant. That is, is a sacred bond. That in, in Western society, we, there's a, kind of an economic model of churches, a faith life. That's not bad necessarily, but have you ever heard the phrase church shopping? Have you ever been someone who church shops? I have. But that's kind of how we have this relationship, right? It's, it's, it's something that I can get. What is it going to give me? And there's not something inherently wrong with that because that's how you decide where you're supposed to be, where you need to be. But when we find a place, when we find a community, I think it transforms from this idea of a contract that if I come and I pledge money, then I get something from the preacher to this idea of covenants that's a commitment. So what I'm asking for us to think about is how we commit to one another and to this place. As we kick off our pledge drive, as we think about welcoming in new members later in the spring. I hope that if you're here, you're committed. I hope that you're getting something from it, but I hope that you're willing to give something too. I hope that somehow by luck my words might be inspirational. But I hope that if you're not happy with what I say all the time... That won't affect your commitment, because that's what we need. Commitment to tidying up, commitment to being all in, because that is what it will take for us to survive, for us to thrive. And that's a big ask. Number two, part of this is to imagine your ideal lifestyle or your ideal congregation. What would it look like? For restoration to be what we want it to be. What would it look like? What would it sound like? What would it feel like? For people who identify as Christian. As staunch atheist. As Buddhist. As Jewish. As Jew-ish. As all these folks walk in. There's an old joke. A Christian, a pagan, and an atheist walk into a, a sanctuary. We call it Sunday here in Unitarian Universalism. What would it look like, the ideal restoration? And does it match the wider Unitarian Universalism? That's a bigger question. But we focus here first. Number three, finish discarding first. This is the big one. It's what everyone wants to see on the TV show. People just getting rid of their stuff. Bags of trash going out. I was I was interested in this of what do we need to discard? What do we need to get rid of? What's not serving us anymore? What do we just throw away? And as I watched the show, I I remembered there's this idea of thanking items for their service, of being in relationship. That it's not just about throwing away, discarding. There's a a young man on the show who said, "I, I get it. It's not about getting rid of stuff. It's about reacquainting yourself with what is meaningful to you. That we just have all these things all the time, right? There's news blasts, there's, there's radio commercials, there's the latest national emergency, and it's just always coming, always coming. And it can feel like too much. But if we can learn to separate some of that, we can get reacquainted with the stuff that's most meaningful. So, for us to think about, what do we do here? What is serving us? What should maybe be 
discarded after being thanked for its service? Are there traditions? Are there songs? Are there rules? Something to look at as we tidy up. Tradition versus innovation, right? I'm someone who always likes innovation. KP has to remind me to slow down and that sometimes it's okay that things just stay the same. You don't have to do that right now. Change versus staying the same is a big question in every congregational life. Are we changing or are we staying the same? Are we going to try and innovate and grow? Are we going to stick to how things are? That's a hard question. And for some people, change is good. Innovation is great. For some people, change is hard. Change is not what we want. As we learn to express these things, we're talking about potentially changing the name of our congregation. We're talking about larger questions about Unitarian Universalism, about our church. These are questions to be brought up and talked about. And there might be some things that we need to discard. But there might be others that we need to just be reacquainted with and ask ourselves, does it spark joy? Number four, tidy by category, not location. (coughs) Had a hard time with this one, but here we go. (coughs) Here at Restoration, we're committed to being multicultural. We're committed to examining things through this multicultural lens. When we talk about what changes or innovations or things that are going to stay the same, it's like this UU World article. It's well-intentioned. It's well-written. It's from a good place. But it misses the mark because it's not looking through the right lens. I think for us, if we're committed to being multicultural and welcoming, everything that we need to do, everything that we do needs to talk about, how does race impact this? How does gender impact this? How does religious tradition impact this? We have crosses that are covered up with chalices. That says something. What does that mean for us now? What does it mean going forward? And if we're not asking those questions, if we're not tidying things by category, we're doing it in the wrong order. And it's okay to talk about these things. The dynamic between a predominantly white denomination and a less predominantly white congregation here. Those are important topics to talk about. So when we ask ourselves, does it spark joy? Does it need to be discarded? I hope that we can always look and ask that question too. How does race affect this discussion? How does religious tradition affect this discussion? Who's talking? And are all the ideas coming from the straight white man? And if so, maybe we ought to thank that idea for its service and discard it. Not me, hopefully, but (laughs) the idea. Number five, she says, follow the right order. Trust the process. One step at a time. And interestingly, she says, everything has a place. Make sure everything has a place in your house. Make sure everything can be seen at one time. That's her big deal. So she folds the, the shirts so they all stand up and they're cute. But you can see everything all at once. I like that idea for us. Everyone has a place. Everyone has a role. Membership is not just 
who gives the most money or who comes to the most events, but everyone has something to contribute. Right? That's what being a good steward means. You bring your gifts and your talents. And if, if it's not monetary, it's something else. It could be musical, it could be with ideas, it could be artwork. Everyone has a place. Everything and everyone is to be seen. All at one time. Everyone is to be heard. Everyone has a voice. Everyone has a role. And then, number six, ask yourself, Tokimeki, does it spark joy? Does it make you feel something inside? So why would we do joys and sorrows? I always ask for feeling words. Does it make you feel something? The window to our soul. When we touch items, when we're following the Conmarie method, and we're looking for feeling, when we sit in these pews, do you feel the spirit moving? Are you experiencing the transcendent mystery? Are you talking with God? Are you feeling something shift inside? If not right now, maybe later. The spirit is in everything. Are we interacting with that? Are we having an encounter? Are we getting gratitude for the good stuff and for the stuff that hurts sometimes? For the scrapes, for the bumps, for the bruises. Do we give gratitude for still being here? For still being alive? For hopefully a little bit of wisdom learned? Tokimeki, does this spark joy? Is it helping me to find more security, more comfort? Is it helping me to reconnect with a religious tradition that I tried to discard without being in an encounter? But I've actually found that, you know what? That does spark a little bit of joy. I don't need to totally get rid of that. Does it spark joy for someone else? This is the hard one. Something may not spark joy for you, but it might for another. And that is the messiness of being in relationship. Things are not always tidy and clean. Are we able to find joy in each other's junk? Do we find joy in each other's songs? Do we find joy in each other's memories and moments? Are we feeling something in the spirit, in that covenant? Are we reacquainting ourselves and deciding what we want to take with us into the future? Because that's the real idea of Tokimeki. Not just does it spark joy, but what do you want to take with you on this journey? What do we want to take with us on this journey? So the outcomes. Everyone thinks when they watch this show, the outcome, my house is going to be nice and clean. My church is going to be nice and tidy. Everyone's going to get along great. We're going to sing Kumbaya. It's going to be cool. But what we find is that it's not just that the space is tidier, that things are cleaner. Folks uniformly in this show find that their relationships are changed. That if they were having relationship problems before, they come out stronger on the other end. Right? They're working together. They're communicating. They feel happier. People say, I feel less tension, less anxiety. I feel like I can do anything. Things are going to come up that you don't expect in this process of tidying of cleaning, of going forward. That it's a journey. And journeys don't always go in a straight line. But they don't go in a circle either. 
Things are going to come up that you didn't expect, but there's going to be new stuff, a creative spirit that flows through. Right? The United Church of Christ is fond of saying God is still speaking. That's their way of understanding this idea that innovation, change, spirit, it's at work. So, for us, what does innovation change look like? I've heard some comments about we've got to grow the church. We have to get more people. And there's truth to that. That's the reality for any organization. But that's not the only outcome that we should focus on. If we're doing this process, I think, if we're tidying up, if we're asking these questions, if we're growing in relationship, if we're expressing gratitude, if we're cultivating a uh, cultivating a culture, I guess that's what that word means, if we're creating a culture of generosity, we're on a journey. And we're growing. And it's probably going to result in more people, but not necessarily. But there are different kinds of growth. The key for us is to fight what one of our dear long-term members always tells me they're fighting. Fighting inertia. A body at rest stays at rest. And we've got to overcome that, just like they do. One of the women in the show says, if you are comfortable with the status quo of your house, of your congregation, of your life, if you're comfortable with that, if you're satisfied with that, you don't want to grow. You don't want to change. You don't want to get organized. That's the reality. But if you commit, if you follow this process, if you find some resilience in your interaction with stuff, with each other, with the spirit of this place, it doesn't stifle creativity. It generates it. The status quo might feel comfortable. It might feel privileged. It might feel easy. But it's actually inhibiting you. Finding a deeper sense of self, a deeper security, expressing vulnerability, embracing courage, all these UU values, that's what helps us create change. And with every change comes some kind of loss. Even if it's good change, you're still losing something. And with every loss, you need to have a sense of grief. Which is why, in the Comrie Method, when you are saying goodbye to something, even if it's a good saying goodbye, because you don't need it anymore, you're ready to cast it away. Say, thank you for your service. Thank you for being with me. That's a process of grief. And then it's letting go. So, friends, as we think about our membership here, our journey as a, communi- as a community, as a congregation, I want us to think about our relationship with us, with the stuff, with one another. Because we're going to talk about growth today. We're going to talk about the future. And the folks who are going to walk through the door are not going to be sold on me. They're not going to be sold just on the building. They're not going to be sold just on Unitarian Universalism. They're going to be sold on you. starts with you. The tidying that we need to do to build a beloved community. Marie Kondo says, it's going to get worse before it gets better when you start tidying. Know that. It's not a straight line. But at the end, the end 
is tidiness. The end is beloved community. The end is the kingdom of God. The end is the kingdom of the good. So as we launch our pledge drive today, as we talk about changes and we talk about new ministries, know that it's okay to feel those things. It's okay to grieve these things. It's okay to ask, how does race play into this? How does religious tradition play into this? Where do I fit into this? It's hard. It's messy. It's untidy. But we are people of abundance. With a spirit that is strong and resilient and deep and grace-filled. And Marie Kondo's last piece of advice is, if you can't keep up the tidiness once you get it done, if it slips a little bit, just be light to yourself. Give yourself a little grace. Because it is hard. But the outcome, the end piece, as one of the women says, I feel like now our life is finally coming together. I feel like now our life is finally coming together. So may it be so. Amen. For more from Reverend McKinley, you can follow him on Twitter at McKinley L. Sims. Follow him on Twitter at McKinley L. Sims.